Good morning, church. Man, I don't know. I just don't think it's fair. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Just such a beautiful voice. Not fair. Not fair. It's like, it's like God gave it all to certain people, but I didn't get any. You know what I mean? It's, man, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. You, you were, it was so nice to see Jim and Sherry up here, too. Wasn't that cool? It's kind of nice to see that. Amen. So I've got a confession to make. First of all, I feel like this is really loud, so you could certainly, I'm a projector. That's not my confession, but just so you know. Actually, my, my confession starts with pro, too. It's I'm a procrastinator. Anybody here a procrastinator? Uh, I've been wanting to do this sermon for a while, but I just keep putting it off. Uh, the Ten Commandments of Procrastinator, I want to give you that. Number one, if anything is worth doing, it would already been done. All right? Number two, yeah, come on, let me hear the procrastinators in here. If you cannot avoid doing the task, you must delay it until the need becomes an urgent imperative. If at first you don't succeed, there's always tomorrow. There are always more interesting things to do than this unpleasant task. If not, invent them. Amen? I shall always decide not to decide unless, of course, I decide to change my mind. Number six, you can always blame someone or something about why the task is not finished. Commandment number seven, like a tiny bomb, the challenge is to finish the task at the very last second. Commandment number eight, you'll never finish the task late. The others expected the task completed way too soon is really what it is. Number nine, I haven't gotten around to number nine and ten, but I will eventually, okay? <laughs> so I admit it, when it comes to certain tasks, I am a procrastinator. And I, I think all of us suffer from this to some level or another. Isn't that true? I think all of us have these things that we just don't want to do until the very last minute. And some of us have, have some really important tasks that we really wait and wait, and, we, and, and some of us never get around to it. There are some tasks, however, that we cannot afford to wait. And yet we are told that God's people will often have to do this work in times when it's going to be way more difficult to do than if we just did them when it was easier to do. And one of those things is about sharing Jesus Christ with others. I think that is one task that we cannot afford to procrastinate in. Would you agree with me there? That is the worst thing to procrastinate in, is this adventure that God has been patiently waiting to engage us in. The Bible tells us about a time, it was during the time of a king, his name was Uzziah, it's about 700 B.C., and there was a scribe that lived there, a record keeper, he was a librarian, and he happens to be at this moment, God's chosen people are divided. Peril and crisis define the spirit of the times. Material prosperity fills the people with complacency. God's chosen are more occupied with pleasure and personal gain and the whole idea of the rich becoming richer. Does this sound familiar, by the way? The world is filled at that moment with unrest and anger and frustration, self-centeredness, which leads to injustice. Many 
are no longer thinking about God during this time. Others are more concerned with the former religion, but it's powerless. It's fake. And in this dangerous and empty world, this librarian by the name of Isaiah has a vision. And his vision is that he sees the Lord in this vision, seated on a throne, exalted and, and, and sovereign. And, and the scene just floors him. The train of the Lord's robe is fill, filling the temple with the glory of God. Angels are surrounding. And yet Isaiah notices that God is profoundly interested with all of this glory. He's profoundly interested in healing the plight of his people. And Isaiah is filled with unspeakable awe, the Bible says, in this moment. And then he hears God speaking. As if the image wasn't enough, now he actually hears the voice of God speaking. And he says, whom shall I send? My people have been procrastinating long enough. Whom shall I send? Does anybody have the courage to speak on my behalf? Is anybody out there who will trust me more than the circumstances around them? Is anybody out there less interested in self-gain and willing to pursue a much higher purpose? Anybody out there compassionate enough to guide my wayward people back to me? Whom shall I send? And it was as if I, Isaiah just, like, he didn't, I don't even think he realized he was saying, he was in vision. He's not even sure. All of a sudden it just kind of comes out of his mouth. Here I am. Send me. What did I just say? It was as if in that moment he asked himself, what if this moment lived for God? turns out to be of infinitely greater value and fulfillment than any lifetime I could ever live for myself. Whom will I send? All of us in this room at some point in our lives have heard that calling. Not all of us have answered it. I want to bring somebody up here right now uh, we all know Brandy. Brandy, come on up. Whoa. Uh, Brandy, come on up. There's, there's a, a pink microphone there. Perfect. There you go. I think it's on. Let me just make sure it's on. Okay, yes. Uh, okay, yeah, you're, you, you look like you're on, so I'm going to let you have that. And we'll Come over here. Uh, how many of you know Brandy? Let's give her a big round of applause for being here. Yes, let's, let's start off by embarrassing her. That's the first thing you want to do. Uh, and and Brandy, Brandy, at one point, uh, some of you know she was baptized here just uh, a little while ago. Uh, it was a great time. She's been uh, attending our church uh, and has been a, a real part of our young adult ministry. And uh, something happened, though, however, d during this time. Uh, after her baptism and uh, after being interviewed here before, she began to hear a call. And uh, as you know, because some of you uh, helped her financially to make this happen, she ended up going to Nepal, of all places. And God calling you to Nepal, 
I mean, that's not where everybody else would go, right? But this is where she felt this calling. And so tell me why. What, what, what was going through your heart at the time when you got this call? And why did you say, here, I am, here am I, send me? And you were pretty excited about attending beauty yeah, school at first, right? I was. Like, I thought that's what, you know, where I was headed, where my life was going. I thought that it was an okay choice. Um, I wasn't, you know, all that passionate about doing nails for <laughs> For the rest of your life, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was something. It was something. And I was 19. I wasn't sure, you know, what, what else would I do. Um, and so there was, it was kind of a time in my life where I was just really, really lost. Um, now that I look back on it, I was just, I was very lost. And so I started looking to God and saying, like, is this what you want from me? Am I just going to, you know, have this nail business for the rest of my life? Am I going to be um, sitting here surrounded by these people and not, you know, not sharing with them the life that you have given me? Because up until that point, like over the last couple of years before that, um, it, kind of my life had been headed towards getting to know God. Um, at that point, I had, I had started getting to know who God was and started building a relationship with God. And so I really, I had that foundation of who God was. I didn't really have that, like, passion. I didn't really have that fire yet. Um, and so I was really, I was passionate about what God had done for me, but I wasn't all that excited about what he could do for everyone else and what he wanted to do for everyone else. Now, you, you were attending church at the time. You were yeah. uh, involved with, with the New Wine Group and Mosaic and, you and know. I was very involved. Church. Did you hear that, by the way? <laughs> she comes to church here, two and a half hour drive. Isn't that wild? I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I yeah, exactly. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be going down to Tennessee uh, in, in about two weeks, and I'm doing a, a, a seminar on growing young, and I'm going to be showing a picture of you, just oh. so you know. Just a, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting permission right now from you right now. And, uh, and, and basically, I'm going to be taught, boasting about your, what you do and, 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 and your mission. And, and because a lot of times people think millennials are lazy. And they have no sense of mission. But I want to share with them that that's not the case. And so continue. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. A whole week, wow. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) But um, then I I found out about Adventures and Missions, which is the organization that sent my team to Nepal. And um, And this is a Christian organization? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're non denominational, so like churches from all over can can, uh, join up and everything and not, you know, feel tied to a specific denomination. Like, if you're just passionate about the Word of God, all they're wanting to share is how much Jesus loves you and let people go from there. 
Amen. Um, yeah. As soon as you dive into the Bible, you know, you're going to find the answers for yourself. God is going to reveal the truth to you. And yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I found out about them, started reading up, and I just felt like at first I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, just something I stumbled across. But then I was like, you know what? That's really weird that I came across this right now while I'm searching for answers. And then it, I just started praying about that. And just God was just like, go. Like, you have to go. Like, I, I promise you. Um, and one of the things about about beauty school that really told me that I shouldn't be doing this um, was that I had I had this prayer of like God, where do you want me to where do you want me to be? And really, his answer was not here. He said, Are you are you really gonna feel fulfilled by this? Living your life for yourself? Are you? Is this gonna fulfill you really? Think about the things that are important in your life. Is this one of them? Um, and you know, just kind of feeling like he had this this vision for my life and that he was kind of telling me like you're gonna you you can live a life for me you can live a life um getting involved with your church and and sharing the word of god and be fulfilled like that's mm. not going to take you away from fulfillment mm. and so that was what really that's powerful yeah I'm done with this. yeah so did you did you how soon did you know that that maybe the possibility was to go to like this far country called nepal Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but Nepal is actually its own country. It's, um, and it's nowhere near Peru. No, opposite <laughs> side of the world. We were, it was like a 12 and a half hour difference to here. So um, it was literally the night and day. I would call Kevin at like 5 o'clock at night. My time it would be 5 a.m. Who's yeah. Kevin? Let's embarrass <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> Kevin is... <laughs> Brandy's boyfriend Kevin, yeah. who by the way joined us for mapping the course that one afternoon. That oh, was fantastic. <laughs> His first time at church was mapping the course. So. <laughs> that was great. So uh, I love it. Uh, so 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 when did you find out that that's that's where you might be going? Originally, I had signed up to be gone for nine months, um, but I was like, that's, <laughs> that's a little intimidating, so I <laughs> cut back to one month. Okay. Um, but it was a very in-depth interview uh, application process, and then they interviewed me, and then they told me, like, choose your route, like, choose where you want to go, because they have a bunch of options. They've been sending missionary teams out since the 80s, um, so they're very organized, very well put together. Right, sure. They know what they're doing, and so they just told me, like, here's the process, pick your route, and I was like, how am I supposed to know where I'm supposed to go? I'm not even supposed to be going on this mission trip. Like, <laughs> this is not my idea. I This is so far out of my comfort zone. I don't even want to go. But I kind of feel like God's like, no, you need this to grow. And you need this to experience faith from a different paradigm. And experience mm. the world from a different paradigm. And just mm. kind of get to know people and uh, different cultures. And just to humble yourself. Like, come on, you're living in America. We're, we're not the most humble culture. And so um, I was like, okay, I guess. I'll do this, but it took me forever to choose a route. Um, but I didn't end up, end up just scrolling through the list and just praying about it. And for some reason, Nepal stood out. Um, I I'm assuming by this point, you knew it was near Peru, though. <laughs> I knew that. Yeah, okay, okay. I was like, okay, where are these places? And I would look them up and, or, you know, read their little descriptions about yeah. um, what ministry might entail. It was a very, like, maybe you'll do this. Maybe you'll do something entirely different. But it's all for God. So yeah. um, I was just kind of like, 
In fact, you didn't really know what you were going to do till about a week before, actually, or even during the week. I couldn't tell anyone. People would say, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to share the gospel, and that's it. Like, if we end up standing on street corners and just, you know, reading the Bible, fine. But I, I have no idea what we're doing. Once we got there, it was the same thing. Every day, we're like, what are we doing today? And, and we're like, oh. <laughs> Ask the ministry host. And he'd come in with a schedule and be like, okay, so this is what we are doing today, team. You know, we are. So you didn't even know while you were there. Nope. Half the time, right? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was just, we were there for God, and like no one complained about that. We're like, you know what? We all just want to share the gospel, and we're all just passionate. So, so before, we, before we get there, because I, I let you get there before I, you should have actually, <laughs> let me ask you something. Uh, this, one of the first things, one of the first obstacles was how much it was. Yeah. So how much was it that you had to raise? So in order to um, cover the cost of the flights to get out there, which were many, um, the places we were staying, And you're wealthy, so that's not a big issue at all for you, right? I'm 20. <laughs> um, no, I'm not wealthy. No, no, no. That was, that was probably one of the... Well, you were only 19 then, by the way, just so you know, yeah. Right, I was 19. Um, that was probably the biggest obstacle was the finances. Um, and again, this was, you know, the beginning of the journey was just me signing up. And after that, um, like, God, God was the one who led me to signing up. But after that, I was like, okay, God, I've got this. Like, don't worry about it. Um, I'll just you know, work really hard and, and I'll make some money. And so for a long time, it was just me donating to myself and um, working really hard. I worked at Texas Roadhouse. Um, mm. It was a busy place, but minimum wage when I come doesn't be started. But anyways, <laughs> so I was working very hard and trying to do this all myself, um, and that wasn't working. It wasn't working at all. I was, I had all these deadlines I had to meet for like 25%. Um, I missed that. 50%, I almost missed that. And then 100% before you go. And as these deadlines were creeping up, I was getting more and more. I was, I was battling fear. And I was like, I, how am I supposed to do this? God, you called me here. How come I can't go any further? Um, but it, it was at that point that um, I finally realized that I had to surrender everything. And mm. I had to just completely let go because I was holding on so tight to this and trying to do it all myself. And then I thought, you know, I had this, this moment in my bedroom. I was like, why am I doing this? Why, why am I holding on so tight? If God is the one who really called me to go, then he's the one who's going to make a way for it. Someone once said, all these prompt things are enablings. Exactly. Meaning that, you know, he's got the $4,000. Exactly. Right? Like he's, he's got that ready. And like, if he really wanted me to go, um, he would make that happen. And then, and then I have this prayer of, well, even if he doesn't, even if, even if I don't get there, if we don't meet this goal, there's a lesson in all of this. Mm. Leading up to this moment, it was, I had never been closer to God because of fundraising, not because of the mission. Like, I hadn't even gone yet. And um, I was already just growing so close to God and learning all these different things about how to surrender, how to um, introduce him and, and uh, get him into every part of my life. And so um, it was just really a prayer about surrendering. And then, and then from that moment, it's actually really funny. From that moment, the next day, of donations started coming in. Mm. Like people started giving in a way that I'd never seen before. Um, I, I made more money at work and tips than I'd ever made. And I was just like, where is this coming from? Like God is just pouring all these things in and, and he's totally paving the way and completely. And it was because I gave him permission. It wasn't, he wasn't just going to come in and um, 
do it all for me. Mm. He wanted me to want him to do it. Um, he wanted me to to build you know, a little more on that foundation, to build a little more in, into my prayer life. And so um, that, was, that was a lesson on how to surrender. Mm. And that was very important to um, some things that we would do later that would require me to surrender. Like mm. that I see now, like the foreshadowing of training camp where I had a really hard time so we talked about why, we talked about a little bit of what, but we're going to want to get into what. We talked about when, and we talked a little bit about uh, um, how, but now let's get into a little bit more of who, and, and let's talk a little bit about the, the people that you, know, that you met that were working with you, as well as the people that you ended up meeting in Nepal that you ended up ministering to. Can you share with us a little bit of that? Yeah. See that? But no, the people that I met. So my team, we were made up of 14 people. Uh, we had two leaders, um, and then our ministry host. And we're all around the same age. I think the oldest was 22, the youngest was 18. Um, and we were just, we were all. It, I'd never been in such an environment before where there were people who were just after the same thing. Mm. We were just so like-minded. We all were there. Mm. from the same God wow. to go out to this place and do this. So they were from different denominations, different, different backgrounds. States. Yeah. They all, most of them live on the East Coast. Um, Anybody from like other countries? Uh, there was a girl from Egypt. Oh, um, wow. She was in Tennessee, but she's originally from Egypt. Okay. She was, she was 13. But um, yeah, just a different variety of people. Um, we were all so different, but we were all so much alike. And we all brought things um, to the mission that uh, were definitely needed. There, meaning in Nepal? Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Training camp in Georgia. Because there's mission field there. Oh, by the size of this room, there were 80 girls. And I looked at that, and I went out, and I called my mom crying. <laughs> I said, I can't do this. There's too many. I don't know Wow. Anyone. But um, it ended up being a really good thing. But they weren't all going to Nepal. No, there were teams uh, going to Swaziland and South Africa, teams going to Thailand and Cambodia. Mm. Um, a team was going to Costa Rica, Ecuador. Yeah. But that's cool. where I met my team. Oh, cool. Um, this was where we learned all the tools that we would need out there. And it was really great. I felt very prepared. Oh, that's very cool. And so let's take us now to Nepal. But How many hours? Yeah. Um, so it was 
north to Turkey, which I believe was 10 hour flight mm. or 11 hour flight. And then we went from Turkey to Nepal, which was shorter. Mm. So all together about 18, 19 and, you know, how did you feel? You know, did you feel like, man, and now I've got this physical aspect of it now that I've got to overcome, or did you feel any of that, or? Um, actually, night or, or day or whatever it was here, <laughs> and so uh, it, was, it was bedtime when we got to Nepal for us, for mm. the Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it was a battle, but it was a battle that um, God was like, my gosh, I'm like, you, what did you end up doing from day to day? Now that it's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. now you could tell us what you did do. What, what did you do? Who did you meet? We did so many things. If I were to tell you every single thing that we did, we'd be here all day. Um, but come find me, I'll tell you some stories. There you go. So a few highlights. Um, we, we went out, uh, we started in Kathmandu, which is the capital city, um, millions of people. They had just made it illegal? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we couldn't go out in public where we'd be seen or us and um, publicly evangelize. We couldn't do any of that. And so a lot of what we did in Kathmandu was um, in private, in secret. We, um, like churches are not illegal. So we went to church on Saturday and we mm. enjoyed a beautiful worship service, Nepali style. And, um, but what we did for ministry that week was we would go out a lot of the times and do prayer walks. So we would go detox, our ministry host would take us to um, the different Buddhist and Hindu temples and he'd tell us a little bit about them, a little bit about like this is what the Nepali people believe, um, this is how they are lost, um, they do these rituals, you might see someone doing this and this is what it means, you know, this is the God mm. that they're praying to and this is the God that they're sacrificing to. Mm. And um, so we would just kind of walk around and just silently pray for the people and introduction to the ministry was just praying like crazy. Um, take any pictures of all this? I have thousands and thousands of them. Oh, man, this would have been a great time to show. So, <laughs> so Chitwan was a lot more personal connections. Mm -hmm. We met a lot of people there. We uh, went, so we stayed in a church for that week. We went from Kathmandu and we stayed in this church. And um, every morning we would go out and we would walk um, like five, six miles down the road to somebody's house. And we would get to their house. We'd all kind of gather in their little living space with all the fans on us because it was 120 degrees and uh, we would just talk and we would just um, give Bible studies uh, we would always have like two people would give their testimony um, their personal testimony and then one person would share from the Bible oh cool just, you know, 
and this was all in secret? Um, it was. It felt a lot more free than okay. Kathmandu, where okay. there was a lot of people and a lot of um, police officers. But mm. um, in, in Chitwan, we were a little more free to do things. Okay. But again, it was it was illegal, so we were just mindful of that. Um, but like like Christianity itself is not illegal. You just you can't evangelize. Right. Gotcha. Um, Right. Because Hinduism is the, the city's uh, or the country's national religion, I believe. Um, and you were telling me something about how many gods they have. Yes. So uh, the third week, while we were trekking in the mountains, we, we spent four days in the mountains visiting the very, very remote villages. Our ministry host was very passionate about reaching the unreachable. Um, he did not want to leave anyone un unnoticed or, or untouched. And he had taken teams out to these mountains before and out to these villages evangelizing and a little bit of sharing about like prep work or exactly yeah. and so we were kind of one of the teams that was there to go back and to check on these people um and just to like you know build build up their faith and make sure it's still strong make sure they've got the right foundation and everything and so while we were out doing this we met this woman we were actually there to see her neighbor um and we were just gonna go back and have dinner but as we were heading out Deepak said no let's go visit this lady I have a feeling we need to visit her and so we went to visit her, not knowing what to expect. Um, because like a year before, he had given her a Bible, and they were kind of closed off to it. They were just like, we don't, we don't believe in this. Like, why are you giving this to us? Um, and so he just kind of felt like, let's go back and, and talk to her. Mm. And so we got there, and it was her and her little six-year-old daughter. And um, she lives there with her parents, and they farm and stuff. <clears throat> but so we talked to her. We got talking to her, and she had actually been reading the Bible. Um, and doing a lot of that, and she now believed in our God, in addition to the 3,000 Hindu gods mm. that they serve. Um, How do you keep up with all those? Never mind, that's okay. Deepak, <laughs> his mind will amaze you. He knows, he knows so many stories about so many of the gods, um, but yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. They all have... So now, so now she believed in 3,001. Exactly. There you go, right. okay. This Jesus Christ was added to the list. But... Here's where, here's where her struggle came in. She was very confused and she was very conflicted on a few things. And she, she told us she was very, very upset because um, her parents would still, and, and she would join them sometimes, they would still uh, make the trek out to the Hindu temples um, on a weekly, sometimes day-to-day -day basis, um, where they would go out to these temples and they would worship, they would pray to these gods, they would light incense, they would um, make animal sacrifices to these gods to please them or to um, keep their wrath away to, um, mm. you know, they would, they would ask like for, for their crops to be good this year, for their family members to be healthy. They would ask for different things or, you know, protection from certain things or, um, you know, they would, they would sometimes pray to certain gods to be protected against another god. Mm. Like, Please protect me from this god. Um, and so she was, she, her struggle was they're going there and worshiping these 3,000 gods and praying to these gods. And she said, every time that I go and I do that and I make these sacrifices, like I kill these animals for these gods just to please them, nothing happens. Nothing changes. Everything is the same. I don't feel any better. It's mm. just the same. And it almost feels meaningless. And then she said, but when I read your Bible and when I pray to your one God and when I when I pray to him, things change. Amen. Stuff happens Amen. when I pray to this one God. So why, mm. why is nothing happening when I pray to 
mm-hmm. things happen when I pray for this. Amen. Place. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we talked to her a long time. We we brought up scriptures. We were just like we were so excited to be mm. like, Well, this is what you're missing. Like this is this is how this all fits together. And um, my team leader was very um, she she did a great job of explaining uh, the story behind uh, Jesus and his death and what it meant mm. and how that was the ultimate sacrifice and that and that we didn't have to make sacrifices anymore. Amen. That, yeah. You know, he, he did that for us so that we don't have to do that anymore and what it means. Um, and she did a lot of talking about heaven and its contrast to the Hindu belief that um, once you, you you die, you get reincarnated. Right, right. Times, sure, yeah. Depending on how good or bad you were in your last life. Um, and then once, once your life cycles come to an end, you just, you kind of become this water-like, substance, this soul, and you just get dropped into an ocean of it, and mm. there's nothing anymore, mm. and you're just, you're a dime a dozen, there's, there's no, you are nothing, mm. um, in the end, end of your life, and so, Sheree, my leader, talked about how, um, God's not like that, God, God is the only God who came down to be one of us, um, he's the only one who, who died for us so that we could go and live with him in heaven, and that there's, there's hope at the end of this life that we'll get a life in, for eternity in heaven with God. Um, Amen. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of their gods, you know, they were man and they became gods, but our God is the only one who was God and became man. Mm. Um, and so that was that was very powerful to her. I think um, she took a lot of it into consideration. I'm hoping, um, but we prayed for her and prayed that um, her eyes would get better, um, and, and prayed for her daughter starting school and stuff and all these things. And she was very very grateful that we saw that. Cool. And, and, you know, obviously, because they live in, live in such remote areas, you cannot stay in touch with them, right? No, yeah. they, I don't think they have phones yeah. um, or, or any, any way of staying in touch other than Deepak, um, our ministry host. Like I said, he had been there before. He knew those trails, like the back of his hand. He could take us, like, through the mountains all over. Yeah. Um, but he, he's very passionate. He, he told us that he was very grateful that we had come and that we were willing to come all this way to, to help him and to do this ministry. Him because mm. he said, My church is great, I love my church. You know, we worship God together, it's great, but nobody wants to leave their comfort zone. Mm. He said, Nobody wants so to even God. there, it's the same problem, isn't yes. it? Yeah, and it's you know, I mean, I'm a firm believer that your ministry is where you're at. Um, mm. you can minister to people and go on mission here, you can minister to your co workers, to um, people at the grocery store. Actually, at training camp, we had a guy who came and talked about how. He does Uber and he just he starts conversations with people mm-hmm. about God and he has um, actually ended up praying for a few people and inviting people to this church because of it. Um, and so your mission field doesn't necessarily have to be out there. Some people it's it's their mission to send missionaries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much a part of ministry to give to missionaries. And so if if you're called to that, that's beautiful and that's great. And and God God will give you um, your calling. And so um, don't be afraid to. To minister at the grocery store, to minister at church, even you know, with <laughs> new people. Yeah, um, that's beautiful. Everywhere you look, everywhere you look, you, you walk outside this building and there's people. And if there's people, there's potential. And God is a God who loves mm. everyone. You're never ever gonna look into the eyes of someone that God does not love. And that's the one thing that that stuck with me for years. And I'm like, I I can't just not love people. Like, that's so cool. Uh, but that that's beautiful, by the way. Let me ask you this. What did you bring back that you say, man, I'm going to keep this forever? And I'm not talking about, like, material stuff. Yeah. I actually forgot 
So let me, let me ask you this. If you were to give this congregation one just, you know, tidbit of wisdom that has revolutionized the way you look at God and, 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 and life and Christianity, what would that be kind of in closing this, this interview here? I could tell, by the way, you could, you could talk for another two hours. No problem at all. And we'll have to have you come back and do some more. You know, that would be fantastic. But... Yeah, but if there was one thing. What's the one takeaway that you would like these folks to kind of be able to, to think about as, as they go about their separate ways this Sabbath, you know, uh, from listening to your experience and what you've done? love that. I, I, I remember that in our pre-interview, you used the word, he's the great orchestrator 
I love that, you know, that, that to trust him as our conductor, you know, that he's yeah. going to be able to orchestrate everything just right for us. Brandy, uh, it's fantastic. It, it's, first of all, for me, it's just so cool to see you grow spiritually the past couple of uh, months in, in the year, the uh, year and a half that you've been here, and it's just been so cool. Thank you so much for not only going, but coming back. I know you shared this at your home church, yeah. right? Well, just, my parents' church. Your yeah. parents' church, right? And mm-hmm. uh, in fact, there were some from this church that went to hear you, right? <laughs> just because they knew you were doing that. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for coming back to us yeah. well and healthy, <laughs> and uh, for of being part of who, who we are as a family. God bless you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. All right, so let me wrap, wrap this up here. <clears throat> that is unbelievable. There's not much more to say except for to say this, that God is looking. He is searching for brandies everywhere. Would you agree with me? young or old, energetic, willing partners that he can shape into noble, compassionate, and just leaders. And I am just amazed to see what God's going to be able to do to people, through people like Brandy. Believers willing to be stretched beyond the imagination to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. So here's the question for you as you go home today. Will you be satisfied to simply exist and at most maintain reputation or worse yet struggle for the rest of your life with just meaningless routine? Or are you willing to step into the adventure that God has for you, willing to risk your life for God's side's assignments? That's the question we should ask ourselves every single day. When God says, whom shall I send, we could say, Send me. Here I am. God is in the business of taking, as we know from the Bible, ordinary shepherd boys and turning them into extraordinary kings, ordinary orphan girls and turning them into queens, ordinary librarians and turning them into prophets, ordinary fishermen and turning them into extraordinary evangelists, ordinary church members and turning them into extraordinary pioneers, ordinary young adults like branding and turning them into extraordinary leaders. And Jesus said to us, I am with you always. Jesus is here right now in this moment. He is living right now in real time with you. In John chapter 20, I'm going to put this up. Right before he left and he appeared to his disciples. It says again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, what? So send I you, or I am sending you. And then verse 22 says, and what? with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God wants to breathe on each and every one of us the power of the Holy Spirit so that he can send each one of us church is not about coming here once a week, sitting down, and experiencing worship. That's just a small part of it. Much more is the ability to take what is being 
said and what, what the, the songs that we sing and the, and the words that we hear and the community that we experience like, and saying, man, we've got to share this with others out there. We've got to share this with those outside so that they can experience the same joy and fulfillment and worship that we do. So as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that you would actually include us in the great adventure of kingdom advancement. Lord, may we not take that for granted. May we not just be settled in our comfortableness. But may we continually strive to live a life of adventure for you until the day we breathe our last breath. Thank you for protecting Brandy as she went and, and bringing her back safe, Lord. Thank you for giving her the voice and the heart to share with us her experience. We pray, Lord, that as we leave this place, we would be filled with your grace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Got some